John chapter 11, verse number 25. And Jesus told Martha, who is a follower of Christ, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Martha, congregation, do you believe this? Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, I just pray. We've already sensed the reality that you are alive in this room through the time of worship. Music captivates our heart. It moves us in a way like very few things on planet Earth. And I'm so grateful that we could express our thanksgiving and praise in song this morning. But God, I'm asking right now for every person in this room, God, that you would give them a spiritual ear to hear and you would give me a mouth to speak the truth, the truth, Jesus, of who you are, the living Son of God. I bless your people today. Let everything we, we do and say be for your honor and your glory. And everyone said, amen. So this is us. This is us. It's a story of a, of a couple, uh, a young couple by the name of Jack and Rebecca. Jack and Rebecca have three kids, Katie, Kevin, and they had a triplet. They had, she was pregnant with triplets, and, and the third child died in childbirth. Very sad scene, and some of what you saw in the intro there was part of that. And, but the same day, as destiny would have it, there was a, another young boy who was born. His name was Randall. And his parents had some issues in their life, and they left their baby at the fire station, and the fire station took that child to the hospital. And Jack... And Rebecca came home with three children. The story interweaves these five people. It interweaves their, their story, their problems, their pains, their, their victories. It interweaves their story through this unique experience of doing flashbacks or dream sequences. And the dream, dream sequences really kind of help you understand how the characters got to where they're at. But the main character, the, the character that really this all revolves around is the dad by the name of Jack. Now, what's really uh, interesting about Jack is that Jack has this really strong desire to do good. I mean, he wants to be the best dad. He wants to be the best husband. I mean, I'm watching this program. We're like, my wife and I, we're on a binge. We're on a This Is Us binge. Aren't you glad for, like, delayed video, you know? We're watching this because I wasn't going to watch it. The team said, you, got it. you can't preach on it if you don't watch it, and so watch it. And I'm, I'm hooked. I got the box of Kleenex. I'm bawling and snotting. And, and my wife says, can't, why can't you be dad like Jack? I'm like, are you kidding me? He's a TV character. That ain't real. But Jack's a good guy. He has such a strong desire to be good. But Jack has a problem. Jack has a problem. And I want you to check out this problem. Come in. I heard a rumor you were back already. The house is a buzz. It's like Melrose Place in here. Yeah, I'm back. So, you guys are okay? The queen admitted you back into her castle? Kate, you need to be nicer to your mother, okay? You don't know everything. In fact, I'm gonna talk to your brothers too, but I. I wanted to talk to you first. Something I need to tell you. Um, poor
part of the reason your mom and I had a fight. Kid, a girl, I, I have a drinking problem. And my father, he had a drinking problem. And I've kept that hidden from you guys because because I, I didn't want you to know that about me. I really didn't want you to know that about me. But you have to know. I'm sorry. I never wanted to disappoint you. But I have to be honest with you guys. Because I need you guys. Jack has a problem. But Jack has such a strong desire to be good. You know, I, I thought about what would Jesus, I know Jack's just a fictional character, but what would Jesus say to Jack? You know what Jesus said, Jack? I commend you for your desire to be good. Uh, and every single one of us in this room, we want to be good. We, we just do. There's, there's actually a story in the Bible of a young man that encountered Christ. The Bible uh, just titles him a rich young guy. And really, I mean, th this guy exemplifies a person who really tries to be good. I mean, he's a good guy. He's a young guy. He, he's done a lot of right things. He went to the right school, got the right jobs. He, he's made a lot of money. He's a good family guy. You can't be a, a religious leader in the Jewish community in Jesus' day if you didn't do good. You followed the laws. You were a good guy. You paid your tithe. You went to synagogue, not just every Sabbath, but you went to synagogue Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, six, seven days a week. This guy's good. Really good. Wants to be good. But there's something gnawing inside of him. So he comes to Jesus. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 19. This rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he asks, Good teacher, Come in. what good thing must I do to get eternal life? What good thing like must no. I do to inherit eternal life? Kate's trying to interrupt me already. Come on. <laughs> this good guy hears about, encounters, and sees Jesus. He's a good guy. He's been around a lot of good people. I mean, he, he's hanging out with people that are making right choices. He's, he's living at the top of the heap. One percenter. This guy's a good guy. But there's something deeply wrong. And when he encounters Jesus, he realizes that his own goodness is nothing. He says, good teacher. You see, the Bible declares that Jesus, Jesus, the perfect, sinless Son of God, only went around doing good, and he healed all who were oppressed of the devil. See, Jesus, when he saw him, he was confronted with this, this Savior, this, this man who was perfect, flawless, spiritually, morally, psychologically, in every action and every deed. He was perfect. He was the sinless Son of God. He was Emmanuel, God with us. Yeshua, Messiah, 
Someone once said that Jesus was God with just human skin on. He walked among us. He dwelt among humanity for 33 years. He was good. He was good. And then he says, Jesus, what good thing must I do? Good thing. Uh, the Bible defines good as a moral excellence, a possessing of a desirable quality, not blemished or honest. I mean, here's a guy that does good and realizes there's something missing. This isn't quite working. Wants to do good. What must I do? I was seven years of age. I want to show you a picture of myself. Easter Sunday, 1971. Easter Sunday, 1971. Here are my two sisters. My mom, they used to wear hats. She was a church lady. She wore a hat. And uh, here's Junior Smith. Everyone say hi, Junior. I'm Junior Smith. I'm, I'm Junior Smith. And I, I'm a kid. I just want to be good. I mean, I tried so hard to, to be good. I tried to please my parents when I went to church. I tried to please a Sunday school teacher. I, when uh, I wanted to please my pastor, I went to school. I, wanted to, I mean, I just wanted to be a good boy because I like the rewards of being good. When you do good, you feel good. And when you feel good, you have right experiences. And so I tried really, really really hard to be good. Like Jack in the story, super dad, super husband, super guy, wants to be good. Now, this little boy that you see right here, I, I tried so hard to be good. But what I found is that it wasn't that easy for me. Uh, it, it wasn't that easy for me to experience goodness. I tried, I, I struggled, I, I wanted to do what's right, but even as a little child, I, I found a tension, I found a battle going in, on inside of me. Paul the Apostle talks about this struggle that everyone in this room has. In Romans chapter 7, Paul the Apostle says it like this, Yes, I know that nothing good lives in me. I mean, nothing good lives in the part of me that is not spiritual. I want to do what is good, but I just don't seem to do it. I wanted to be a good boy. Jack wanted to be a good guy. Jack tried his very, very, very hardest. But Jack ate a fatal flaw. The fact is every single person in this room has a fatal flaw. You see, Jesus would commend Jack. Uh, Jesus would commend Jack for trying to be good. Jesus would commend this rich young ruler for desiring to be good. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be good. But Jesus would say, you know what? No amount of your own goodness is going to fix your problem. That gnawing, aching reality that there's something missing in our life. We have a fatal flaw. Jack had a fatal flaw. The man, this young man that came to Jesus, asked him what he must do to inherit eternal life. He had a fatal flaw. Everyone in this room has a fatal flaw. Paul, talking to the church at Rome, talks about this fatal flaw and what it, where it came from. In Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, the Bible said, When Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race. Adam and Eve created in the image of God perfect. They were put in a perfect place called paradise. There was no sickness. There was no sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that they were naked and they felt no shame. It was a perfect place. God said, you can do, you can eat of anything, 
in this garden that you want to eat of. You can create, you can dream, you can desire. I've created you to rule the planet Earth. But here's the deal. There's one tree. It's a tree of life and death. And you can't eat of that tree. It's kind of like the wet paint sign. You can have everything before you. You you could sit any place in the park that you want to sit, but you walk by a bench that's just been freshly painted, and it says wet paint, and there's something in you that just wants to touch it. You're just attracted to it. Just attracted to it. Sin entered the human race. His, His sin spread death throughout all the world so that everything began to grow old and die. For all sinned. Adam sinned. Your father sinned. Your grandfather sinned. His father sinned. Your mom sinned. Your mom's mom sinned. All the way back up the food chain to Adam and Eve. It came into the world. But here's the deal. You sinned. Every person has sinned. We all have a fatal flaw in our life. See, our father's choices to sin impact us. They impact us. Bible says that Adam sinned, death spread to the whole human race. I want to show you a picture of my dad. My dad, he's, the, he's a cool cat here with the sunglasses on. My dad is about 25. It's about the same time that that picture was taken when I was a little boy. My dad's about 25, and this is his brother, John. This is Uncle John. My dad and his brother both got radically saved. They had an encounter with God. They grew up in a very, very, very broken home, very dysfunctional, very painful, all kinds of abuse and addictions and all the kind of stuff that come when people don't serve God, don't know God, and living for themselves. And, and they grew up, there was seven brothers and sisters, and it was a big family. They were very poor, lots of trauma. This, this guy right here, my Uncle John, he was the coolest guy. He, he went to prison the very first time at the age of 12. He died at 57. He spent 12 of the 57 years of his life in a state penitentiary. And, but he, he was my favorite uncle. He, he was wise in the ways of the world. He taught me how to play dominoes. <laughs> I mean, he was cool. He was a cool cat. My dad and his brother, about the age of 20, about 25, there were some issues in my family. And I don't know exactly. I was probably six or seven years of age. I don't know exactly what happened. But my mom and dad began to have a, a lot of conflict in the home and a lot of pain. My, my dad, who had been a Christ follower, was no longer following Christ, no longer going to church. He was hanging out with his brother. And they were doing all kinds of stuff. I don't know what they were doing, but I know it wasn't good. And their decision, that, their, my dad's decision to live that kind of life brought a lot of pain into my world. Uh, As a matter of fact, I would lay there, that little junior, that little kid there, I would lay there at night. My dad wouldn't come home for weeks and weeks at a time, and I had cousins who lived in the same community, and they would tell, oh, yeah, we saw your dad last week, but I didn't see him last week. He wasn't coming home. And I would lay in bed every night, and I would say, God, bring my dad home, bring my dad home, and Every car that would drive past our house at night, I would see the headlights flashing into my bedroom window, and I would jump up, and I would see that if that was my dad. And he didn't come home one day, one week, two, two weeks, three weeks. One time I remember very specifically, my dad came home, but he and his brother had been drinking and fighting in the bars all night. He rolled into the house, and his brother, I could hear the truck brake slam in the front yard, and my dad come bursting into the door of the house, and they were cursing and screaming, and I was so terrified. My dad's rebellion, my dad's choice to sin, it caused pain in my life. It caused a lot of pain. 
And that pain in my life began to grow. It, 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 be, it, began, to, it began to fester my heart. It became very, very angry. This little boy that wanted to be good, I, I remember hearing myself in my own head, I'm going to cause my dad pain. I'm going to cause my dad pain. And a little boy that went from trying to be good, trying to then do whatever I could to gather my father's attention. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered that although my dad made some really bad choices, and it cost them, it cost them. What I discovered is that I had my own choice to make about my own life. I had my own choice to make. All the way back in the garden, Adam and Eve had a couple sons. One was named Abel, one was named Cain. They had an opportunity to present to the Lord an offering. And the Bible said that there was a tension, this struggle going on inside of Cain, and he was bitter. He was bitter at his parents because they blew it. They messed up this perfect paradise. He was angry. And the Bible says that the Lord came to Cain. And I want you to see what he says. The Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why are you so bitter? Why is your face so downcast? Sin is crouching at the door of your life. It desires to have you, but you must rule. You must master it. Sin's coming to the world. You have a choice to make. Cain made a bad choice. First murderer in human history was this guy by the name Cain. The fact is, is that every person on planet Earth is faced with the decision between good and evil, right choices and wrong choices. Uh, the, the, there is so much bitterness and hurt in our generation. If you've been married and you walk through the time and experience a divorce in your life or in your family, you know what the driving factor was in it? Unforgiveness, bitterness, a bitterness. Uh, the Bible actually talks about this bitterness in Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says it like this. Look after each other that, so that none of you fail to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness, bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Corrupting many. Bitterness has corrupted our planet. It's why yesterday in, in the Middle East, there was this conflict on the border with the Palestinians and the Israelis. The, the Arabs and the Israelis have been fighting for over 3,000 years. And if you were to go onto the street and ask them, what's this really about? I mean, the average guy doesn't even really know, but they killed my uncle. They killed my, my son. They killed my daughter. They killed my, and they've been going back and forth, this bitterness. But it isn't just in the Middle East. It, 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 it isn't just in Asia with the North Koreans and the South Koreans. It isn't, it, it isn't just in Russia, between Russia and the rest of the world. It's the whole planet. It's our community. It's our city. It's our homes. The root of bitterness grabs our heart, and it causes us to make terrible, terrible choices. Cain made a terrible choice. He wanted to do right, part of him, but he made a choice not to do right. Paul wanted to do right, but something in him drove him to do wrong. I wanted to do right, but something in me compelled me to do wrong. But what I've discovered, what I've discovered, although it comes by us naturally, now think about this, genetically, if you're a parent today, or even just, you're not a parent today, you can look at your parents, you can see genetic things, realities about you that are very similar to your parents. I, I remember looking at pictures of my dad and his nose, and we had the exact same nose. 
I remember when he was a young guy and looking that full head. I used to have hair just like, like that as my dad and that full head of hair. I used to come back just like that trying to be like my dad. There's so many things that are genetically, and they're good. There's nothing wrong. But there's another part of us that's not good. It's, this, it's the law of sin that brings death. And it's also very similar. Have you ever noticed in your own life, in your own family, how the certain sins, certain problematics, certain troubling issues keep reoccurring from one generation to the next? Certain weaknesses, certain propensities, maybe it's anger, maybe it's lust, maybe it's abuse, maybe it's divorce. There's certain things that just seem to keep being passed down. There's a problem. There's a problem today. But what I know today is that every one of us in this room will be held accountable for our own choices. The prophet Ezekiel, he says it like this. The person who sins is the one who will die. The child will not be punished for for their parents' sins. And the parents will not be punished for the child's sins. I wanted to blame my dad for my problems. I was 18, 19. I caused my family so much pain. On my 18th birthday, my dad tossed me out of the house. I woke up to a fist in the face. My dad tossed me out of the house because I brought so much pain into my family's home. No place to go. Broken. Hurting inside. You know the amazing thing is that God just doesn't leave us that way. God doesn't leave us that way. My, my dad and his brother both In the last 10 years of their life, they gave their life to Christ. God restored our relationship. And my father went out and his brother both went out. His brother ended up working in a local church taking care of maintenance. And my dad would go into the prisons and he would minister and he would share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the hope of the gospel. Someone said amen. But if you don't deal with your past hurts, if you don't deal with your past pains, I've discovered I've discovered that that's what we don't forgive leads to the same mistakes and abuses of those we haven't forgiven. So what do we do? When we haven't released that forgiveness, when we haven't experienced that grace of God, we do two things. One, we try to fix ourselves. We try to fix ourselves. We try to do good, be good, get the right education, go to the right schools, get the right jobs. We find ourselves making promises to our family that we never keep. Uh, We watch the latest self-help guru on television or or on YouTube or buy the latest book. We try to fix ourselves, and when that doesn't quite work, then we self-medicate. Sometimes the pain is so great we self-medicate right away and we try to fix ourselves, but we tend to do one or the other, and we tend to do both. We self-medicate, and we try to fix ourselves. Paul the apostle said to the church at Ephesus, listen, for by grace you have been saved, not of yourselves. This young ruler wanted to fix himself. Jack, in our, the character in our program, wanted to fix himself. As a matter of fact, he made a vow. I'm never going to be like my dad. He was exactly like his dad. He ended up becoming a drunk just like his father. This rich young ruler, this rich young ruler that came to Jesus, he asked Jesus, what, what must I do? And Jesus said, you know what? You've done a lot of good things, but you've got one thing that you haven't done. You have to surrender your life completely to me so here's a solution here's a surprising answer first of all God who's expressed and revealed himself through the Lord Jesus is not mad at this rich young ruler God the Lord Jesus Christ was not mad at me 
He was sad about the choices that I was making and the, the brokenness that I'd allowed into my life, but he wasn't mad at me. He was sad about my decisions. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when this rich young ruler stood in front of Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus looked at him and it says that he loved him. He loved him. And so what would Jesus, what would Jesus say to this rich young ruler? What would Jesus say to Jack? What would Jesus say to you today? I love you. I have genuine love for you. God's heartbeat is for you. He desires for you to experience a good life, a blessed life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. But you have a choice today. Hear me today. God loves you. I, I was far. I, I'd allowed bitterness to captivate my heart and soul. And I'd made a lot of bad choices. But one day, one day, I got a phone call from my dad. And he said, son, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? The moment my dad said those words, I didn't want to hear it. I hung the phone up. He, he called right back. And back in the days, we had a rotary, we had a rotary dial telephone. He called me right back, and I hung up again. He called me the third time, and I found myself saying these words, I forgive you. I forgive you. He said, I love my dad. I loved him. He was my hero. I loved him. My dad loved me. Didn't know how to be a good dad for most of his life. He really tried to make it up later in his life. But we have a perfect dad. We have a perfect dad. We have a perfect heavenly father. He loves you. How much does he love you? Pastor Glenn read the verse of the offering. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his sinless son, the son who never brought shame or reproach to his father, the son who is perfect in every way, the son who is the exact representation of God himself on planet earth, who only went around doing good and healed. God sent him because he loves you. That whoever puts their faith, whoever trusts, whoever believes in him shall not perish. Shall not perish, but live forevermore. So what would God say to Jack? Jack, I love you. What would God say to Eugene? Eugene, I love you. What would God say to you today? I love you. I love you. The second thing that God would say to Jack is that I died for you. I died for you. Listen, listen. Man, you read the Gospels. Some of you have never read the Bible for yourself. Just read the New Testament account of the life of Jesus. He was so attractional. There was something about his goodness that drew the multitudes. Multitudes of people who were broken. Multitudes of people who were bitter. Multitudes of people who found themselves making bad choices. They realized that there was something different about Jesus. The religious people didn't like it. Messed up their system. Messed up their whole way of doing life. Trying to do good on their own. Jesus drew multitudes of people away from the local church. From the congregation of the Jewish people. And people stopped giving to the synagogue. He was messing up the religious order. The Bible says that the third year of his ministry, he allowed himself to be taken into captivity. He was betrayed by one of his very own. For 30 pieces of silver, the Roman soldiers came and they took him and they dragged him off to a farce of a trial, complete farce of a trial. And there they would mock him, they would beat him, they would spit upon him. They would say, if you're really a son of God, then come on. You, 
you, you, you can get rid of us. You don't have to, if you're really God, you don't have to go through this. The Bible says they took a crown of thorns and they placed it upon his head. He took a cross that they made just for him and he drug it through the streets of Jerusalem. Thousands of people, it was Passover, thousands of people would see Jesus bloodied and beaten, battered and bruised. They would drag him outside of the city of Jerusalem to a place called Golgotha. It was a little hill. And there Jesus, between two sinners, two thieves, he would hang, naked, exposed, beaten beyond recognition, blood dripping down the cross. Jesus would cry out, struggling to take breath. Jesus would say these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus died for you. Died for you. But it wasn't good enough for a man to die for another man. People go to war, they die for other people all the time. That doesn't save you. That doesn't fix your fatal, your fatal flaw problem. It just doesn't. Jesus had to rise from the dead. See, Jesus promised, I, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me will never die. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will live forever, ever. He fixes the fatal flaw of our life in that one moment. When he was rose from the dead, the Bible says that he conquered sin. He conquered sickness. He conquered every satanic attack against your life. He conquered. And he said, it is finished. The price has been paid once and for all. Once and for all. He that knew no sin, he became your sin so that you now could be in right standing with God. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? You know, Jesus just simply said to the rich young ruler, very simple, come and follow me. Don't, don't try to be religious. Don't try to get yourself all cleaned up. Don't try to figure this thing out intellectually. Just follow me. Follow me. Stop trying to be good on your own. You're never going to be able to accomplish it. You can become a very good person, but you still need a Savior. Follow me. Follow me. And I'll change your life. I'll give you a brand new pathway. You'll experience a brand new destiny. You'll experience a life, a new life that you could not have imagined. Not an easy life, but a good life. Because you're following the only good one. What does this look like? What is this new life? I, I'm an example of that new life. I want to just show you a little picture of a boy. His name is Jace. Jace Lee was four years of age, and uh, he lives in Dallas. Jace Lee was born deaf. He's never heard in his life before, never heard. And his dad took him to a Mavericks game at the invitation of the, the Dallas Maverick owner, the guy that's on Shark Tank. He comes to the game because uh, the doctors had done something for Jace. They had put a cochlear implant the age of four, Jace had never, ever, never heard before. He went to the game and just happened that night that the Dallas Mavericks were playing the Orlando Tragic. I mean, the Orlando Magic. 
the Mavs beat the tragic 15 points, and there was a great big after-party celebration. And hear this. This little four-year-old boy had never heard in his life before. Never heard. This little guy's right here. They're at this after-party, and the drums start to play. They turn on the cochlear implant. You can Google this. You can watch this video for yourself. And the little boy hears sound for the very first time. I mean, you talk about a static. He's, he turns to his dad. He said, Dad, what is that? What is that? And his dad said, Son, that's the music to drums. That's the music to drums. That little boy was jumping around. He was so full of joy. He'd heard sound for the very first time. And that's what happens when you follow Jesus and you surrender your life to him. And you say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my pain. I give you my brokenness. I leave it all to you today. Jesus, he gives us a brand new life and a brand new start. He cleanses us. He cleanses us from the past bitterness and pains and hurts and failures, that fatal flaw, so that we can live forever with him. You know, the saddest thing about the story of the rich young ruler is the Bible says that he walked away from Jesus and he was very sad. The opportunity for life stood right in front of him. The opportunity to live forever with God. The opportunity to experience a new life lay right in front of him and he couldn't do it. He resisted it. He walked away. And he was really sad because he couldn't get let go of his own stuff. Couldn't do it. Some of you here today just haven't been able to let go of all kinds of stuff and pain and lies you believed about who Jesus is fact is, Jesus is alive. You sensed it today. You came in there were worshiping. You sensed his presence. You sense it right now. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's real. When you came in today, when you came in and you, you received this little card that looks just like this, on the bottom there were four letters, A, B, C, and D. I want everyone to take this card. If you could just, just humor me just for a moment. We're going to finish up here in just a minute. Just a minute. We're going to finish up. You're here today, you have this in your hand, you got a pen. And the, first, the, the first letter on there is A, is A. If you're a Christ follower today, you're already in right, Christians, you can help me so everybody in the room can see this, but you're already a Christ follower, you're already in right relationship with Jesus, can you check that box? If you're here today and you know your life isn't right with God, and you know what, there's something inside, you say, you know what, I want that life. I want to begin that relationship. Or maybe you knew God like me as a little child, but you drifted from the way. And at the age of 22, I came back. I recommitted my life to a real relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's you. I want you just to check off B. And then C, this, there may be some of you in the room today. You say, you know what? i got to think about this a little bit more. I would implore you. I'd say today's your day. Today is a day of God's grace in your life. Don't wait any longer. But there might even be someone in this room. might be someone in this room that would check off. I don't intend on making this decision. That's between you and God. Life and death lay before you. You have a choice to make today. At the end of this service, you're going to have an opportunity to, to take your card. And there are these what we call connection boxes. They're posted at each door. And if you would do this, if you would take it, you take it and just put that in there. We're going to stand together this morning. And this is a message of hope, a message of resurrection, a message of life. 
So Jesus came to give life today. Resurrection, goodness of God, it's here right now. I don't know what's happening in your world today. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know one who cares, who loves you. The Bible tells us that we are to pray for one another that we may be healed. And some of you, maybe today, you just need someone to pray for. You're Christ follower. You're in the way. And man, you got something going on in your family. You got something going on in your life. Maybe you're here today and you, you got a sickness in your body. You got a bad diagnosis. And Jesus wants you to know that he's able to heal today. He's here for you.